Dear friends, welcome to another edition at Form 2000 Online Chat. My name is Arzu Gabola, and joining us today is Eduardo Magrani, whose work focuses on digital rights in Latin America. I had the chance to meet Eduardo at Form 2000 this year and attend the panel titled Information in the Digital Space, the False Promise of Digital Democracy, False in the Brackets, where together with a number of other experts from the region and beyond, panelists spoke about various challenges, shared their experiences covering and working in their respective countries. He is also the president of the National Institute for Data Protection in Brazil and an affiliate at the Berkman Klein Center for Internet and Society at Harvard University. Um, he was also one of the co-developers of Internet Bill of Rights in Brazil. Welcome, Eduardo, once again. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. Um, Eduardo, um, if you remember the Forum 2000 um, this year in October, um, especially on your panel, there's a lot of discussion about um, the state of internet freedoms in the region. Um, now, going back to specifically Brazil, because on the panel there were several countries covered, but specifically going back to Brazil, um, you know, this is a country that boasts with some of the most progressive and comprehensive legislation, and yet several bills adopted in the last two years um, signal that the existing legislation looks good on paper, while in practice you have a bill on fake news that was approved last summer, and a bill approved in May of this year, if, I, if I'm correct, uh, to replace the National Security Act, criminalizing mass misleading communication. So these are just some of the restrictions and limitations that were also mentioned in this year's Freedom House um, annual Freedom on the Net report. There are also multiple reports of monitoring online platforms in Brazil, spread of misinformation. You know, if you were to identify key problems, you know, do you think these fall under definition of key problems in Brazil with regards to internet freedom? Or would you add something else? Can you give us um, an overview of the situation on the ground? Sure, my pleasure. So we have still many challenges um, concerning internet freedom and overall digital democracy in Brazil. Indeed, Brazil pioneered in several regulations. For example, Brazil had this first global regulation for internet rights. Uh, that was the Marco Civil da Internet, the Internet Bill of Rights in Brazil. Brazil also pioneered in its national strategy for Internet of Things and several other documents that we could mention concerning cybersecurity or other examples that we could give. The problem is that we still face some basic challenges. Brazil still faces um, the digital divide. Um, almost 30% of the population cannot access internet. And we still have more subtle challenges uh, which, which relate to how we exercise our constitutional rights, our citizenship in the digital sphere. So some of the, the challenges are not um, adequately regulated. You mentioned fake news. Fake news is a big problem, not only in Brazil, but worldwide. And no one has the perfect model to avoid fake news and its negative effects on democracy and democratic processes. Uh, we had uh, almost 20 bills in our National Congress recently, all about fake news. And none of them were good, actually, because they were very superficial in the way they, they address um, even the concept of what is a fake news, right? That is a problem, problematic in itself. So we have very bad regulations for this um, notorious 
technologies and bad effects that we are perceiving um, on fake news or on misinformation as a whole. Uh, also concerning artificial intelligence, we had the approval of uh, an AI regulation recently, but it's a very bad regulation because it's very superficial, just like the projects that we had on fake news and some other examples that we could give. So the digital sphere uh, still threatens um, Brazilian democracy. And politicians and um, some entrepreneurs are um, very comfortable in making a, a bad use of the digital sphere, using strategically weaponizing data online, weaponizing bots online to manipulate what we call the connected public sphere in Brazil. And to solve this is not easy, and there's not one single answer to, to answer this, but we could talk about several strategies to address this problem and how we could solve it. Great, thank you so much. So you mentioned bad regulations, and I feel like this is the starting point uh, when it comes to tackling um, whether we're talking about access to um, information, whether we're talking about, um, you know, actually having access to technology to use it. But before we go back to bad regulations, I wanted to ask you actually, you already mentioned that, um, misinformation. Um, this is uh, to what you mentioned at the Forum 2000 when you were talking about how quickly this information spreads in Brazil, especially on uh, communication apps. Uh, whether it's WhatsApp groups or other groups. And, you know, if you could kind of guide us through that story, through that narrative, um, you know, is it, does it happen because uh, there is lack of access to independent journalism or to independent information to begin with, um, to verify news that they're sharing across their communities uh, via these communication apps? Or is it because there is um, lack of interest to do so to begin with? Um, and where does this disinformation really spread most often? You mentioned WhatsApp groups, but I'm just really curious to hear if there are any other platforms where this happens and whether you've seen any attempts to prevent it or at least um, try to educate um, the, uh, the users online of what, it's, what it is and what it could actually lead to. Right, this is an excellent question, and it's attached to the strategies as well. So there are several factors that could um, be important for us to mention. And this bad effect that we are perceiving coming from the digital sphere has to do with new business models that are created um, around um, this market for continuous attention um, online on applications. So the more we spend our attention on the applications that could be Facebook, Instagram, or WhatsApp, or whatever, it's better for the business, it's more profitable, and it also has to do with the advert advertisements that we have online. So the more we spend our attention there and the more we, they collect our personal data, the more they can nudge our behavior. So more effective would be the ads that we see online, right? The products that we, we receive or the information that we receive online. So those are new business models uh, based on this market for attention and the functioning of specific algorithms, that boost this advertisement online and pretty much based on our personal data. 
uh, it has positive aspects. It can really enhance user experience. The problem are the bad effects and the risks um, concerning this scenario. For example, people are not aware about how their personal data can be used to manipulate them, even politically. And algorithms now, they understand ourselves um, better than, than ourselves <laughs> because they can process uh, a huge amount of data, this big data, and we cannot. So this um, brings us to a scenario of what I like to call a tailored reality that is pretty much customized for ourselves individually. So in this tailored reality, the, the reality that I perceive online is not the same reality that other people are perceiving. And young generations are informing themselves um, basically through the connected public sphere and not through traditional media. Uh, it would be great if you could receive information from different sources. But nowadays, people are really locked up to five online sources to get information and they are not aware about the, the moderation uh, system of each application and how the algorithms work to provide them information. And because it's very tailored, they perceived it as a general reality and it's just not. It's tailor-made for each one of them. Um, the negative aspect of this um, new functioning is that uh, it can bring more radicalization of discourses. It can bring more polarization. And I'm talking about new digital effects, but when it connects to some old negative effects like lack of education, like we have in Brazil, these are a recipe for a democratic catastrophe because people are stuck in what we call the filter bubbles online. They're not uh, searching for different sources. They do not have this consciousness that they, they are stuck in those filter bubbles and they can be manipulated by bots, fake news, and by micro-targeting. And that can lead to very bad radicalization. And all those effects that I'm mentioning here were perceived in our last elections in Brazil in which political campaigns were built upon data, were built upon bots, and in a very abusive way. And they did that in, with some regulatory comfort because law uh, is always delayed when we compare to the, the pace of technological advancement. But now, maybe um, things are a bit out of hand and law should catch up uh, more rapidly because the bad effects for democracy are being perceived already for, for, for some years already, and it's important to have adequate regulation. But adequate regulation is just one response. Also, companies, they, they need to feel this responsibility. There is a constitutional responsibility. It has to do with human rights, and they have to play their role in trying to mitigate fake news, trying to reduce bots online. So it's not just a matter of regulation. They have to, to do this because it can also enhance uh, trust with users, trust with consumers. So this is um, a second responsibility. There is a regulatory state responsibility. There's the company's responsibility. And of course, the users as well. So people in Brazil, because they do not have this critical consciousness, this awareness, they um, do not perceive the importance of an ethical behavior with online information. So when I share a fake news, it has to do with my own ethics. 
So I need to double check this information because the same way that I cannot spread um, a COVID virus, it's also unethical to spread misinformation, to spread fake news. So I would say that the, the answer and the strategies, the strategies are threefold. It really depends on the sum of all these um, initiatives coming from the state, the companies, and also a proactive um, action by the users as well. Well, this is this sounds like a really tough task, obviously, because you are, you know, bringing in to the solution, you know, the government actors, the companies, which you know are so easy to work with, uh, as we as we know from our experiences, uh, but also the users, and of course, you know, whether it's media literacy or literacy in general, or you know, this critical awareness, it's it's quite quite a combination, and I really. Um, find it quite interesting how you bring all these different actors together and I fully agree that this is the way forward but um, I guess um, as a professor of law as someone who studies law you know you what's what's your take on the possibility of such um, uh, such a solution to work I mean is there room for uh, bringing all these different actors is it is there possibility for that is there environment and how you would actually translate it into you know the regional context um, and this kind of ties 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 it to my to my last question which was you know if uh you know one country takes lead in the region do you think others would follow is there space and environment for that is there um necessary know-how to to actually achieve that Right. So the, the solution for this really depends on a multi-stakeholder um, initiative and joint efforts. Uh, this is the only possibility. And you're totally right. This is not easy to get. But let's try to, to pinpoint some, some best practices that we perceived in the last years. So part of the solution, because I mentioned that um, the negative aspects also come from the abusive collection of personal data. Right. And the governance of data is a very important pillar in our discussion here. And Europe came with the GDPR. That was already an update of the directive, etc. I won't make this uh, historic background, but uh, everyone knows the importance of GDPR. What happened was that GDPR got viral in the whole world. And because we're talking about the Brazilian context, and this is very important to mention because we have a general data protection bill in Brazil right now that limits companies to make certain processes upon our personal data. And the general data protection bill in Brazil was influenced by the GDPR in Europe. And many other countries did the same. So they perceive that um, maybe to have general data protection bills is one way to go, is one important pillar. We still didn't convince the U.S. so far, but this is also being discussed there. They have very interesting state regulation um, echoing or mirroring the GDPR. But this is one important pillar, data governance. Um, Europe is also um, setting the stage concerning artificial intelligence. And I mentioned bots, many bots use artificial intelligence. And we saw recently the, the proposition for the AI Act in Europe that even prohibits certain types of artificial intelligence. 
like for credit scoring or for certain biometric facial recognition in, in public streets, so on and so forth. So some countries are already being influenced by this regulation, by the AI Act. So should Brazil follow the same path or a similar one? Should certain artificial intelligence techniques be prohibited? That depends on uh, a heavy discussion in the public sphere that shouldn't, shouldn't be stuck only inside the academic bubble then I'm pretty sure that we, we do this pretty well, but we should go outside of our academic bubble and reach politicians. And we did this in, with the Internet Bill of Rights in Brazil. It came from academia, but it got the support of the government, of the Minister of um, Science and Technology, the Minister of Justice, etc., etc. So it's important to bring this multi-stakeholder uh, layer approach to this initiative. We, we only solve the problem of fake news, bots, and political manipulation online if we have this joint effort. Well, that's that's excellent. I um, expect to Brazil take a lead on this so that we can all learn, uh, not just in, in that specific region, but also globally. Um, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us. This was extremely interesting for me. I think I could stay and keep talking too, but we <laughs> have to wrap up. Um, thank you for Forum 2000 uh, for also putting this together. And yeah, thank you for, for joining us once again, Eduardo. It was a pleasure. It was my pleasure. My honor. Thank you very much for the invitation. Sure.